Hello, I am Julia, and you are listening to the third episode of Finding Janine. In this episode, the truth about my friendship with Janine is revealed, and the beginning of the journey from Paris to London begins. With that said, let's get into it. Here is episode three. My brain is playing out a terrifying sequence of the last three weeks. I'm bombarded with a combination of moments that feel like a hurricane picking up wind. All I can hear are the echoes of the busy international train station. Multiple languages at the same time. Announcements from French train conductors. Screaming toddler. It was Janine. It was Janine who stole the first card. Does she think I deserve this because my dad loves me? Is that why she was crying last night? It was Janine. It was Janine this whole time. Survival instinct kicks in. Where do I go? What do I do? Who do I call? I need to contact my family, and I need to get on the next train to London. And I need Wi-Fi to do any of these. There is no internet in the station. This is an international train station. You are kidding me, right? It is five in the morning in East Coast America. Nobody will be awake, so I call my closest relative in Paris, Karim. I was keenly aware this is a strange call to receive after knowing someone for two weeks. However, this is an emergency and we're family. Karim, I'm at Garden Noir and I'm stuck. I don't really know where to start, but... Cut. Our phone call drops. How timely. I look to my phone, expecting a dropped call and to ring him back. Instead, I see my iPhone is black. It is a black interface with a silver apple and a bar slowly chugging horizontally across the screen. It is the same interface when you reboot or update your phone. It was wiping. My iPhone 5 started wiping mid-conversation. Why would my phone be wiping? What cruel joke is this now? My only hope for help in Paris was dropped. My only hope now is to find internet. I'm starting to resent Garden Noir for its lack of Wi-Fi. How can you call yourself an international train station and not provide internet access? Standing in front of the station, I scan the horizon. I see the golden arches and make a move. Sitting on my duffel bag in a Parisian McDonald's, I turn on my laptop and connect to the Wi-Fi. My phone finally boots back on, but it's set to factory settings. My entire phone and iCloud was wiped. 
I'm staring at the corny default screensaver. I have no numbers at all. I've lost all my pictures, including the dorky photos Janine and I took in front of the Eiffel Tower. I have nothing. I call my sister using Google Calls from my laptop. I call about 20 times before she picks up. It's about six in the morning, her time. She knows I've been running into trouble in Paris, but doesn't quite know the severity. Please don't ask too many questions, I say to her, because I can't guarantee I have all the answers for you right now. But I'm at Gardenor, and I need to get to London. I don't have a ticket, and I don't have a card to pay for it. There's a train at 3.30. Can you please help me? I'll pay you when I get back to London. My sister buys a train ticket for 3.30 p.m. from Gardenor to King's Cross. I have a ticket to London. The first wave of relief hits me. Now that I have a ticket, I'm trying to work out why my phone started wiping. Unfortunate timing didn't seem likely. All I know at this moment is my iCloud is wiped. I know through access to iCloud you can restore devices to factory settings. I knew this from when a friend's phone was lost at a festival over the summer. I came across a suspicious email in my trash. I find an email verification for an iCloud password change. Yet, all my other trash email has been deleted. All of a sudden, I remember. Janine. Janine was on my laptop this morning. Why would my phone just start wiping? Why would Janine want my phone? What is the motivation behind this? The selfie we took last night comes to mind. A second realization. Oh. She didn't want me to have a picture of her. She knew I would know it was her once I couldn't retrieve my Eurostar ticket. She changed my iCloud password so she could wipe my phone. Therefore, she could delete the picture I posted of us on Snapchat. She must have done this when I went to get Ollie's snow globe. Her audacity infuriates me. Unlucky for Janine, a picture lasts on Snapchat for 24 hours. I knew I had at least 18 hours until it would expire. However, I couldn't be certain it would still exist in the cloud if my app and phone had been wiped. I didn't want to chance it. I messaged my boyfriend at the time, who was living in Sweden. We were at least on the same time zone. Please take a screenshot of the girl on my Snapchat from last night. It's really important I can explain later. And he does, and he sends it to me. Two of them. I have Janine's picture. I have a train ticket to London for 3.30 p.m., and I have a photo of Janine. I'm sad on my duffel. Adrenaline is still pulsing through my body. 
a man who looks identical to Cream walks into McDonald's. His eyes are scanning the restaurant like an owl. We make eyes. I couldn't believe it. It is Kareem. He runs over to me. No words said. He hugs me. He asks if I'm okay. I don't answer. He tells me not to move and he will be right back. He needs to go tell my Auntie Francoise where I was. She was in the station looking for me. When our conversation had cut, Kareem and my Aunt Francoise came from South Paris to the station to find me. By good luck, Kareem had the intuition to find me at McDonald's. I later found out my name was announced through the train station. I shuddered at the thought Janine could be in the station listening to my name on the announcements. When I see him next, he comes back with two cheeseburgers. I choke on the words of admitting it was Janine who stole my money and banking information. He asks if I need money. I assure him I will be fine, as I have cash in my duffel. He stays with me for the next couple hours until I am due to board. My Auntie Francoise and Kareem walk me to the platform, where we part with one final hug. As I wave goodbye to them and turn away to walk towards the train, I felt the same sadness as I saw in the snow globe this very morning. Paris was spitting me out. It took a long chew on me like a piece of hard licorice. I find my seat on the train. There's an empty seat to my left and a young couple across from me. They look pretty loved up. Presumably still early days, and this was one of their first romantic getaways together. They were cute, but looking at them made me miss my boyfriend terribly. Finally on the way to London. I decided it is a good moment to take the rest of the euros I hid in the sock of the boot. When I arrived in London, I exchanged the euros for pounds. I lugged the large duffel bag onto the table. Ordinarily, I would find this rude, but there wasn't enough room in the pathway. Admittedly, I'm making quite the scene. I find the boot and pull out the sock. I feel the cash in my hand. The wad of cash felt smaller than I remembered. Frantically, I start counting. I count 60 euros. Where is the other 400 euros? Did I put it in the other boot? I have 60 euros in my hand. The bitch stole my money. This moment symbolized all of Janine's motives. If she was a truly heartless criminal, she would have taken all of the money. Her intentions weren't to truly fuck me up. She just enjoyed the sport of it. 
And when she was pulling out the cash for my boot, when I was probably in line for her latte, something inside of her said, "Mm, I should leave 60 euros. Sarcastically, I thought, oh, what a sweetie. How kind of her to have not left only 40. While I'm trying to process this next turn of events, I can feel the eyes of the boyfriend evaluating me while his girlfriend is playing Candy Crush. He says to me, you okay? In a cheeky, chappy voice. Up until that moment in my life, I've never really answered honestly when a stranger asks how I am in small talk. It's not that I don't want to be honest, I just don't think strangers really care how you are, so I never found it appropriate to answer honestly. But this time, I looked at him and answered, No, I'm not okay. The girlfriend's candy crush trance has been broken and she is looking at me too. What's going on? I don't know where to begin. Do they really want to know? I told them what happened and the silence drops on the table. The girlfriend's jaw drops and has colorful language for Janine. The boyfriend slides 50 pounds across the table and begs I please take it. His girlfriend looked at me reassuringly, but I still couldn't take the money. I still had 60 euros left. How could I accept money from a complete stranger? I was too proud. Instead, they bought a bottle of Prosecco and gave me a glass, which I drank, yet it didn't feel like a fitting moment to be drinking fizz. Finally, I arrive at King's Cross St. Pancras. The sweet sounds of the English language never sounded so beautiful. I have jumped the biggest hurdle. I am now in London and only a few hours away from family. I exchange my 60 euros of pounds where I am left with a grand total of 44 pounds. I buy a five pound one-way ticket from King's Cross Station to Paddington Station where I take the train to my auntie in Gloucestershire. I have 39 pounds left. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform. Flustered and aching from carrying my luggage, I arrived at Paddington. I show a ticket clerk the 39 pounds in my hand and ask if I have enough money to get where my auntie lives. He is calm, cool, and collected, in a very British manner. I watch his face notice the distress. He says coolly, Yes, a ticket is £36.50. He witnesses the relief wave down my body. He follows. Even if it were more, I would have paid for it. He hands me my ticket and £2.50 change. I look at him with a gratuity in my eyes. I had no idea why I was being greeted with so much kindness. 
I was seeing some of the best in humanity in contrast to some of the worst. I waddle away with my luggage to the station platform with an hour to spare before my train departs at 7.40pm. All of a sudden, the departures board flutters down. It goes black. What now? Honestly, what now? Chaos and panic ensues. All trains have been postponed until further notice. A couple hours go by. It's close to 10 p.m. now. An announcement echoes through the train hall. All trains out of London are indefinitely cancelled for the evening. It repeats. There will be no trains leaving Paddington Station for the remainder of Friday, the 24th of October. I overhear a train clerk say quietly, blah blah, code to someone. Sadly, somebody walked onto the trains to end their life that night. My aunt ended her life the same way years before I was born. In a single moment, everything fell into perspective. No matter what had happened, no matter what Janine has done, or how horrible she is, or how I am feeling in this moment, somebody having a much worse day than I am and a lot of other people are too the person who walked onto the tracks this evening was in such a place that ending their life seemed like their best option all the distress I was feeling emptied and I felt grateful for my problems the worst that could happen was I asleep at the train station Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of Finding Janine. If you are enjoying the podcast, please press subscribe or leave a review or head to findingjanine.com to get on the mailing list. I want to thank Tommy Horner and Transmission Roundhouse in London for their support in the editing and production of this episode. And a thank you to Ben Socrates for the intro music from his album Fawcett Thoughts, which you can find on his Bandcamp. Links can be found in the show notes. Episode four coming next.